Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? You know, I'm excited about our topic today, freedom from anger. But before that, I wanted to show you guys a few pictures. I know uh, last week did Carousel Ranch, and it was just absolutely amazing. But one of our projects we weren't able to finish. It was um, this wagon is the wagon that uh, that's the only good picture I got. So Julia Chittam made it in there. But um, this is the before pictures of the wagon that they were doing in the western town. Uh, there's another angle of it. There's Dave Chittam. So this was uh, Dave Chittam and Charlie Nave worked on it. That was uh, a picture of it taken apart. And uh, this thing was just in terrible shape. And because of uh, so many people's help and uh, donations and hard work, uh, this is what it looked like after they went back and fixed it up. And there's a, oh yeah, so uh, it's pretty fired up with how it uh, finished and, uh, you know, they, they took it to another level. I was like, now the, this old chuck wagon is like the best looking building in their, uh, in their whole little western town that they have. But I wanted just to thank the church again for uh, everything you did at Carousel Ranch um, and even for those that went up over the last week to help out with the wagon. Um, today's topic, we're going to be talking about freedom from anger. Before we jump in, I'd like just to pray, okay? Father, I pray that as we look at your words today, that our hearts can be opened, that we can learn from you, God, about how to deal righteously with this emotion of anger, which really can be a complicated emotion. And so, Lord, I pray that you're with us as we look at your words. In your sons, I pray, amen. Anger is one letter short of danger. It's the condition in your life where your tongue works faster than your brain. Anger, Ben Franklin said, is never without reason, reason, but seldom a good one. You know, a fortune cookie one time told me, if you are patient in a moment of anger, it will, you will escape a hundred days of sorrow. I don't know if you've heard this, but uh, Abraham Lincoln, it was something that he commonly did. He would write two letters to people when he was upset with them. The first letter was how he really felt. It was the angry letter where he would just get all the emotions out. And then he would trash that letter and then go back and write another letter to the, peop- the person that he was intending to give the letter to that was more tactful, more encouraging, more Christ-like. And that would be the letter that made it. I heard that. Uh, on a lesson that I was listening to, and I was like, i got to verify this. And they actually have the letters that you can read, the angry letters, that's a couple of the angry letters that Abraham Lincoln had. And uh, it, it made me think about how David would handle his, uh, his emotions. The Psalms are chalked full of David and, and these, this wave of emotions. And, and you're like, man, David would just, you, you, you would think he had... Uh, you know, David would be the poster child of mental health today, right? Because he just had this wave of emotions and he would really struggle with anger. Like he asked God to kill people all the time in his, in his Psalms. And these are the ones that we get to read. Who knows what was really going on in there? But sometimes that's how, you know, how many times have you said stuff that you wish you wouldn't have said in your anger when, while if I would have just said it to God first, He could have been my filter. He's a big God. He can take it. And I wouldn't have had to say it to the person that I was talking to. 
So today, I'm going to attempt to give you a couple tools on how to have freedom from anger. But um, the truth is, uh, what I talk about today is only just going to be a couple tools. It is something that requires a lot of work. I appreciated what Tim O'Connor talked about. You have to be trained by it. You have to work hard at it. There's a reason why the book that we're reading has four chapters dedicated to it. And he even acknowledges in those four chapters, hey, this isn't really enough. Like, you have to work hard at this to have freedom from anger. Okay, I want to watch a video before we start, because this video really, for me, it illustrates what I want you to walk away with today about how to have freedom from anger. Just missing a hero cop who springs into action to save the day. ABC's Gio Benitez has this remarkable story. Take a look at this dramatic scene caught on newly released surveillance tape. A driver pumping gas in Harrison, New York last week. And then this. Out of nowhere, a car flies in, crashing into the pump and immediately starting a massive fire. The man at the pump, New York State Police Senior Investigator John Vessio, escaping the scene just in the nick of time. The impact was uh, very sudden. It was very quick. Take a look again. Within two seconds, the car hits, the pump falls, and the fire erupts. I actually went to look up and, and, and see what was going on, and uh, next thing I knew, the pump was coming down on top of me. Now watch as more drama unfolds. Vessio, who'd at first darted away, runs back after spotting the 70-year-old driver who'd crashed the car after suffering a diabetic shock and now could not move. He was uh, not responsive. Um, I found uh, when I got to the car, uh, he, was, he was pretty much uh, helpless. Vessio struggles to get him out of the car, finally dragging him out by his shirt, only to return to the fiery scene to get a first aid kit from his car. And there wasn't a moment to spare. Take a look. Seconds later, a ball of fire consumes the car. Both men miraculously out of the danger zone. I think John did a very heroic thing. I think uh, he starts off as a civilian, he becomes a victim, and then his police training kicks in, and he actually saves somebody's life. And both men were... He starts off as a civilian, his police training kicks in, excuse me, he starts off as a civilian and becomes a victim, his police training kicks in, and then he ends up saving someone's life. You know, how many of you have been just going about your day, going about your life, and all of a sudden you just became a victim of anger? Whether it was something on the inside of you, something happened around you, and you are now a victim of anger. And then instead of responding to it righteously, you just stayed in that victim state and responded however you wanted to respond versus being trained to respond and then possibly saving someone's life or your own. Ambrose Pierce, he says, speak when you're angry and you'll make the best speech that you ever regret. Mark Twain, he says, anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it's stored than to anything on which it's poured. You know, anger has these, you know, it can be a lot like that outward explosion that you saw. You ever been around that? Maybe you are that, that outward explosion. But sometimes it can also be something that's inward. It can be something that it's just a slow fuse that's been ignited inside of you of bitterness, of hurts, of resentments, of depression, that it just takes one more thing and then you explode. 
No, truth is, anger actually has also been used to good. You ever accomplished a lot of stuff because you were angry? I remember, you know, I ran a track in high school and college, and my mom, I don't think it was a good motivator, but she would tell me, run as if the devil is behind you. <laughs> that, it, that didn't motivate me. The fact that she said it made me angry, and so I ran faster. But I was like, why would you tell me that, mom? I mean, I guess I understand. But, you know, anger, it, it, it's, it's by and large, really, for, for many of us, is such a harmful emotion when we're not being trained by it. And if I can have you walk, with, walk away from anything today, is to get that point that anger, to have freedom from anger, which I believe you can, it takes training. It takes training yourself. As Paul told Timothy, he said, train yourself to be godly. You can train yourself, and I believe this, to where you are responding in a righteous way to the angry emotions that you are feeling and even the angry emotions that are around you. Now, this is easy, right? We know the answer to this. Just don't get angry. Don't let your emotions get the best of you, right? I mean, I think most of us understand the theory that anger is not good. Would we agree on that? We understand the theory. Um, and that's how it is. The, the thought is easy. Acting on it is hard. And the hardest part is acting in accordance with your thoughts. And so I'm hoping that today we are moved, at least, to go and be trained by this. Because I'm going to be honest with you guys. As I started studying this over the last couple of weeks when I got assigned that, okay, this is going to be the lesson I'm going to be preaching. My first emotion, honestly, was like, really? I don't struggle with this. And I've apologized a lot as I've uh, been working on this because I realized, oh, I do. <laughs> There's some stuff on the inside. See, I'm not the outward explosive guy. I grew up with that guy. So I saw the dangers of that. I didn't like what I saw. I have the holes in the wall Holes in the walls at the house that I grew up in to prove what the outward danger, the outward anger looks like. For me, it's in here. And it's that slow fuse sometimes. Now my wife sees it. My kids see it. They see that anger come out. And I'm like, wow, I gotta be trained by this. So, you know, obviously, so I've been apologizing. Over the last couple of weeks, as I'm working on my lesson, I'm like, oh, okay, I really need to be trained on this one. And so hopefully you guys feel that as we get done. Um, and I didn't know what, even what scriptures to look at. There's a lot of scriptures on this. So I figured that, that we can just go with Jesus, okay? So that's probably a pretty safe spot, uh, place to start. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells us, he's on the Sermon on the Mount, and he just, he just goes right to the heart of it. He says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And you know when Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, he's about to take it another level, right? And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, you guys are like, that just sounds funny. I'll explain that in a second. Is answerable to the court. Anyone who says... You fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. What a lesson from Jesus. 
You know, the truth is, anger, I think, and what I recognize, and as I've learned over the last, you know, couple weeks, it's an emotion that we don't really want to deal with. Some, for some, for some of you probably in this room, it's an emotion that you just kind of accept. This is just who I am. Versus thinking that, wow, I can actually have freedom from this. I appreciate it so much. I asked Tim to come up here because I know that he had struggled with it, but I also know that he's had freedom from it. And it was awesome that, you know, uh, you know, we got to have dinner with the O'Connors the other day. And, uh, you know, they were just about to celebrate their 30th wedding anniversary. And it's just so inspiring. Come on, guys. Yeah, there we go. Anger. It's to be taken seriously. Anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. He includes anger in the same conversation as he's he as as murder. We in this community know exactly what that's like when someone's anger goes undealt with. It can result in something as extreme as murder. But Jesus is taking the bar to another level. He's saying, wow, like you've really got to get a handle on this anger. None of us are above it. Do you feel that? Do you feel the seriousness of it coming from Jesus? He has taken the standard higher. You know, he's talking about these words, this word raka. You know, it's basically like calling somebody like stupid, an idiot. It's putting somebody down, but, but, but it's like it's more hate-filled is how they would have heard it. Like this would have been a hate-filled insult directed at somebody. Calling somebody a fool would be like calling, you know, like calling them a rebel against God. When you're using these words against somebody, you're, you're not only attacking somebody's intelligence, you're attacking their integrity. See, Jesus isn't just focusing on the words, he's also focusing on the attitudes. And see, in our anger, wow, you know, like, it's, it's crazy. Like, I mean, it, the words that get said when we're angry can be just destructive. The attitudes when we're angry can be destructive. Now, I have a two-year-old, and uh, we call it the testing twos. Okay, uh, not the terrible twos because he's just testing everything right now. And one of the things that he is testing, and we love him for it, but, but like he is testing how we are going to respond to his little fits of rage. And he has a four-year-old brother who likes to provoke these fits of rage. And I am tempted most of the time to deal with the four-year-old who's provoking and he knows exactly what he's doing. All he has to do to, my, to his little brother is say, no, don't do that, whatever it is. It could be playing with a car. And he's like, no, don't do that. And my son, Judah, my youngest, will just go, ah, and then and chase after him and hit him. And then he'll sometimes pull his hair. And if you know, you know, it just is not like, it is not always good. And so I find myself disciplining the words and the attitude. The words and the attitude. And that's two children, right? But, you know, it's so funny. As we grow, we do the same stuff. We use words in a different way in our anger because we know 
this is the one thing that I can say that's going to get under your skin. If you're married, you know it. You know exactly what you can say to your spouse that will just set them off, right? We know that stuff, and we probably have rehearsed it in our heads. We, we get to that moment. You ever been to that moment, just talking to the married couples? You ever been to that moment where you're, where you're like, all right, if I drop this one, conversation's over. It ain't going to be pretty, but it's going to feel good. You ever been there? Did it feel good? Maybe for a second, but it doesn't last long. Man, we have to get a grip on our anger. So Jesus doesn't just tell you, hey, if you're angry, you're going to hell. He tells us how to deal with it, right? Okay, so he goes on. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Do you see what Jesus is telling them? He's saying, hey, if you show up to church to worship God and Duke is up here leading the songs or Maya is singing oceans like she was today and you're sitting in this is sitting right there and you are realizing, wow, I've got and there is somebody that's angry with me right now. And go during fellowship break next time, go outside and talk to that person. That's the type of urgency he's wanting us to have. Some of you here, you might have anger towards somebody, but you have lunch plans scheduled with somebody that you're comfortable with. You need to cancel those lunch plans after this, and you need to go directly to that person that you know that there is conflict with and go handle it with that person. That's what Jesus is saying to them. He's saying, like, I don't even want the gift. I don't want the offering. Go handle your relationship with your brother or sister first. Go deal with the conflict first and then come back. He's taking this. He's he's trying to help us to see how serious we have to take this because see, some of us and we if you're part of our church, you know this. We value relationships so much because God values relationships. Our unity is so, so important. And Jesus is making a bold statement here. He's like, just leave the offering there. And go deal with your unity issues. Go deal with your anger. Go deal with your relationships. Because man, like, if that's how important it is to me. He's like, if you can't be committed to somebody that you do see, how are you going to be committed to somebody that you don't see? How are you doing at you're handling your relationships? I was thinking about, man, what do I say to this? The, the, the point that I want to give you, simple. Handle conflict God's way. There's your way and there's God's way. Handle conflict God's way. You can actually train yourself to have an appropriate response to your anger. Now, if you're sitting here and you're thinking about, well, I don't have conflict that often. Awesome. You will. Maybe you have to have more relationships and friendships, but you will have conflict. The more relationships and friendships you have, the more conflict you will have. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Actually, the people that I'm closest to, I've had the most conflict with. 
In Ephesians 4.26, it tells us, In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. See, conflict is an opportunity to demonstrate the gospel. The quickness in which you demonstrate it. The speed in which you demonstrate it. The humility in which you demonstrate it. You know, anger for us, like, I liken it to like a check engine light. Because that feeling of anger isn't always bad. You know, the check engine light that goes on your car, it, it's not always, I mean, you got a, a few different options on how you respond to it. You guys know what I'm talking about when you get that, whether it's the check engine light or some other, you know, the tire gauge light or something like that. One of those things on your instrument panel of your car goes off and you got some options on how you can respond to it. You can, uh, you can just respond by ignoring it, right? You could say, well, ah, it's probably nothing. Probably just a faulty sensor anyways. Who cares? It's going to be fine. Now, that just gets costly. You can have an extreme reaction. Oh, this car, the tires, they keep getting flat. You know what? We're taking it in. We're selling this baby now, and we're getting a new one. Okay, this thing is a piece of trash. I'm done with it. You can have an extreme reaction or you can have the reaction that's like, okay, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to spend the money that it's going to take to fix it. Like I said, it takes work and it costs money, but it's the right thing to do. And if you wait too long, it gets more and more expensive. Right. You guys know this. Okay, I've definitely learned that being a husband and being married and having cars all my life, uh, you know, like that check engine light, like just don't let it stay on. I've been in some people's cars where I'm like, I look over the dashboard, I'm just, I start getting insecure. I'm like, all right, I'm driving next time, okay? You know, but when you're handling conflict, you can choose to ignore it. That just builds up on the inside. That just lights the fuse. And no matter how long your fuse is, it will eventually blow. You can have an extreme reaction. You can blow up a gas pump. And that just sends people running. That makes people insecure around you. You ever blown up around your family? And... It just changed the whole vibe of the room. Or you can do the work that's required to deal with the conflict. What does Jesus say? Quickly. He also tells us later, just between the two of you. You know, sometimes in the process of handling conflict, we like to talk to 15 different people. And I'm like, wow, you just sinned 15 different times in the process of handling your one conflict. You know what I mean? So in the name of handling conflict, you gossiped. And we get strategic with it, too. It's kind of funny. It's like, hey, can you pray for so-and-so? They really, you know, like you do prayer request gossip prayer requests, you know. And it's like, no. Like when you have conflict, go deal with it immediately. Now, Proverbs 19.11, he says this one. He says, it is to one's glory. To overlook an offense. Not everything should bother us. So sometimes just handling 
conflict God's way is not being bothered by everything. Right? Like you're at the grocery store and somebody bumps into you accidentally because they just weren't paying attention. I mean, it's like, you know, like I've, I've had that happen before. I'm like, oh, what is going on? Oh, okay. She just wasn't paying attention. Now I can respond and say something or I can just let it go because it really doesn't matter anyways. Or you're in your car. How many times do we get angry in our cars? Oh, yeah, you know. Like, you just, like, somebody, like, cuts you off. And it's like, what are you going to do? How does honking and yelling at that person really help you? It's like, it just frustrates frustrates them. You know, it's not like, are you going to follow that person to have a conversation with them? You can't deal with it. You don't know what they're going through. Right? I know my wife and I, we've been joking about this for a little while, but uh, we got into a conflict recently, and uh, yeah, we have conflict, and um, we got into a conflict recently, and I'm going to tell you what it was about. It, it was about how to read the thermometer, and I said, I thought you put it on the forehead here. She said, no, you start here and you go here. And then uh, it's like one of those like ones we got from the doctor's office. But our thermometers, we, we've probably spent like $150 on thermometers since we've had kids because they like to play with them. And they'll get these little sticky fingers on them. And all of a sudden, they, we're just like, I don't think it works right. Like you feel hot, but the thermometer reads like 70. So this is not right. <laughs> and uh, the conflict happened where she, you know, I came down and... Uh, I kissed Judah's forehead, and I was like, oh, he feels fine. So I, I checked him, and then Lashane's like, no, you do it this way. And then I was confused. And so I sit down, and I go to sit down, and I had my phone in my lap, and I had my phone in my hand, excuse me, and the thermometer in my hand. And she's like, wait, are you seriously going to Google how to read this thermometer? I was like, no, I'm multitasking. I was looking at something else, and I'm reading the instructions. And it does say this right here. Here's how we need to handle this. But it was just funny because the emotions were much deeper, but the conflict was just goofy. You ever had goofy conflict with somebody where you're like, wow, why was I feeling that? Where you come into the church fellowship and they're over here, so you walk all the way over here. You're like, no, I'm not even going to walk down the same aisle as you because I don't even want to see you. I don't want to make eye contact with you because, you know, that might just be weird to me. You know, it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. So how are you doing with it? Do you notice the signs of your anger? You know, anger comes out in many different ways. Some of the ways that I see nowadays, passive aggressiveness. That's just a form of anger that's hidden, just not being straightforward. Of course, joking, the Bible talks about. You know, just taking underhanded shots at someone. And it's like there's a side of it where sometimes when you're doing that, you actually mean it. But you're trying to put a smile on your face when you do it. Playing the victim. Rebelliousness, argumentativeness. Sometimes even depression can be rooted in anger. We got to be able to handle the signs. There's this thing that uh, I was at a class one time and it they showed me this feelings wheel. You ever seen that? Okay, because the way I feel things, I'm normally like happy or sad or angry, right? And that's it. So if you ask me, hey, Aaron, how are you feeling? I'm angry. I'm happy. I'm sad. That's just what I feel. And then 
You know, I put this quote up here. I sat with my anger long enough until it told me its real name was blank. Because somebody, when, sometimes when it comes to dealing with your anger, all you need to do is actually slow down and try to identify. Maybe, you know, I'm not asking you guys to read this, by the way. You can go just Google feeling wheel. And, um, but, but sometimes you're feeling angry, but really it's not, I'm not angry. I feel humiliated. I feel disrespected. Man, that changes my whole approach. It allows me to deal with it in a more healthy way because while I'm able to handle this conflict because I've actually identified what the, the real feeling is. But anger is such a base emotion. You ever just felt angry and you don't know why? That's what he's talking about here. So deal with conflict God's way. Now, the other thing I wanted to share is that we need to strive for peace. In Romans chapter 12, you can turn there really quick. Hold on to Matthew 5, but turn over to Romans 12. This scripture, as I was thinking about having freedom from anger. Verse 17, Paul writes, Do not repay evil, anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Do you believe this scripture? You know, see, when we respond in anger, like we are taking matters into our own hands. And we are not letting, we are not letting this scripture actually work. Where God says, hey, no, it's actually mine to deal with. You do your best, as far as up to you, to live at peace with everyone. But when we have this response in anger, you know what you're doing? You're taking the world out of God's hands. And you're putting it in yours. And let me ask you, how good are you at controlling the world? I know when I do that, like, I lose control immediately. Like, it just doesn't work out well. I was so convicted when I read this scripture as I'm studying this because I'm like, wow, like how many times have I given way to anger in my emotions and forgot? Well, you know what? Actually, I'm going to let God deal with this one. I'm going to live at peace with everyone as far as is, as far as I can do it. I'm going to live at peace with everyone. I'm going to strive to have God handle conflict in a godly way because you know what? God sees everything. I'm going to let him deal with it. All I'm going to do, I'm going to love. I'm going to try to be at peace. I'm going to stop taking the world into my own hands. I'm getting tired of trying to run the world. Or aren't you? Are you tired of running the world? It's, it's, it's wearing. And that's all anger is, is where you're just trying to take control instead of giving it over to God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. He says, Blessed. Are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Those who strive for peace, those are his children, not the people that give in to anger. So how are you doing at that? You know, for me, 
I was uh, sharing with uh, uh, my brother, Bruce Malak. He was over at the house, and I was talking to him about this sermon. And uh, Bruce, you know, has a background in psychology. And so, I was just, you know, he was giving me some great insight, and we were talking a lot about it. And, uh, and I was sharing with him about my struggle with anger. And it was just, uh, I was expecting to hear something profound. And um, I told Bruce, I was like, yeah, you know, my anger, where I really see it coming out with my, is with my family, okay? Cause I, and I've shared with the church many times, my dad got really, really sick, and he struggled with anger a lot. But he got to a point where um, his sickness, like, totally changed his life. He functions like a five-year-old now and has to be taken care of around the clock. Um, but that sickness really just changed the course of our family. And when my family, my family now, when my wife or my kids get sick, I actually struggle with anger in that moment. Instead of being the loving, caring, doting, waiting on your hand and waiting on you hand and foot, what can I do for you, husband? The emotion that I feel is anger because I've lost control of this situation. And to be honest, I've had to apologize many times to my wife because while she's sick, I'm being mean. I'm not being nice. I'm acting frustrated by this situation. And so I've had to apologize all the time. And I'm looking at Bruce and telling him this. And he's like, stop that. I was like, thank you. And it was simple, but it was like, I was like, I'm going to write that down. Stop it. Stop that, Aaron. Stop acting that way. And sometimes that's what you need. You just need that person in your life that's just going to say, stop it. Stop thinking that way. That's foolish. Why are you being mean to your wife or frustrated to your wife and your kids when they're sick? It's not like they want to be sick. It's just an inconvenience to you. And we need those people in our lives that are going to tell us that. Stop it. Now, it's a lot easier to hear that when everybody's healthy. Right? It's a different story when people get sick. That's why you have to be trained by it. It takes so much training. You have to do the work. Proverbs 16, verse 32, it says, Better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control than one who takes a city. We got to value patience over dominance. We got to value self-control over conquest. You know, see, when you're angry, all you think about is me and me and me. All you think about is getting even. You think about the words you're going to use. You're thinking about the way that you're going to respond. And we rarely think about what the consequences are be, going to be. You know, Jesus continues on in Matthew 25 as we're bringing it in for a close. He says, settle matters quickly with your adversary. He kind of goes in and gives us a little legal advice here. Who is taking you to the court. Do it while you are still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. This is all in the context of how to deal with anger and what, what's he trying to say? First of all, don't wait till you get to the courtroom to have the conversation. Handle it on the way. Be urgent about it. He's saying, hey, it actually might cost you something to resolve the conflict, but to not resolve it, it'll be way more costly. To resolve the conflict might be a little bit difficult and you actually might get burned along the way. But to not resolve it, you will always get burned. 
See, because when you're on the way to court to handle the conflict, what are you thinking about? I'm thinking about winning. You know, we need to stop thinking about winning an argument and striving for peace, is what Jesus is saying. Because when, when you do whatever it takes to win the argument, let me ask you, do you really win the argument? You always lose something in the process. A relationship, you lose trust, you lose something if you're, if you're going to do whatever it takes. So we have to strive for peace. You know, my wife and I, being ministers almost for 10 years now, we've dealt with a lot of conflict resolution. And then, and it's awesome to be able to sit in a room where, where there are two people in conflict and you can feel it. You know, they're sitting on the couch and they're on the opposite sides of the couch and you're just, you just watch the dynamic happening. You're like, they're not even touching each other. And they supposedly are married or are dating. Wow, okay. Of course, dating is sometimes okay that you're not touching each other. Let me throw that one out there. But, um, but we'll be dealing with the conflict. And then you'll get to the point where it's like, okay, so you own your side, you own your side. And then it's still not completely settled because, and we learned this from Ron and Cheryl and others around us, other great men and women around us that, that said there's some words that you need to say. Do you forgive me? Or will you forgive me for dot, dot, dot? And then they'll use that. And, you know, sometimes it's funny. Anybody that's been in conflict resolution with us, you know this because it's awkward. Because you're like, okay, all right, say it. Will you forgive me for? And then they'll say it. And the other person says, I forgive you. And it's an instant weight just comes off. When you strive for peace, it just, there's something about it that just lifts a weight off of you because you're no longer in control. Because God says, no, it's mine to avenge. I'll take care of that. You just go for peace. You let go of the world for a second. You're not meant to rule it. Let go of the world. So as we're closing, I got some practicals for you. Freedom from anger comes with training yourself. So what do you have to do? You need to notice the signs. When that check engine light is going off in your life, you need to notice the signs. You need to notice, okay, I've got to deal with this quickly. And whatever it takes, whatever time it takes, however much money it costs, I've got to deal with this quickly. I've got to identify the feeling because sometimes identifying the feeling means like I'm angry, but it's actually it's because I'm feeling hurt by this situation. And maybe it's a situation that's happening now or a situation that's happened in your past. But you've got to identify the real feeling that's behind the anger. And then you've got to respond in a godly, biblical way. And what do I mean by that? Handle conflict the way Jesus has us handle conflict. Get to a point where you're able to say, I forgive you. Or you're able to say, will you forgive me for this? Will you release me of the responsibility of this? Brothers and sisters, I want to ask you to really dive into the book. Because we're going to have four chapters of it. And I know we're going to have a midweek where I know that anger will be able to be talked about. And, and I pray that you're able to do some soul searching and maybe... For some of you, you're like, oh, wow, I really got to start on this journey. I got to deal with my anger. I got to get trained by it. Have hope. 
Tim O'Connor was up here to give us hope. Okay? Anger didn't wreck his life. It didn't wreck his marriage. He, he was trained by it. And after that, what happened? You got to see the beautiful pictures. Brothers and sisters, let's go after that freedom from anger. Let's not be scared of going after the training required to get the freedom. Let's notice the signs. Let's identify that feeling and respond in a godly, biblical way. Let's stand on up and we're going to close in one final song.